0: The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 217, back to school edition, for Monday, August 31st, 2009. (laughs)
1: Welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. As John said, it's the back-to-school edition, so quit listening to the podcast and get back to school. Thanks very no, much, no. folks. We're out of
0: here. Oh, wait, no. No, no, I, I, I was implying that you may actually learn a thing or two by...
1: Ah, so we keep show. going? We don't just tell them to go back to school and, and, and hang up the show for two weeks?
0: Once you're done, then you could go back to studying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Professors John and Dave are here.
1: That's right. I'm Dave Hamilton here in Durham, New Hampshire. That uh, was Pilot Pete giving the introductions. He's sitting next to me. And John, you are still in Fairfield, Connecticut, as far as uh, as far as you've let us know.
0: Yes, but not
1: for long. And we'll talk about that at the end of the show. All right. All right. Uh, So, of course, Snow Leopard came out uh, over the uh, end of the last week on Friday. And many people picked it up over the weekend, uh, so we're going to talk quite a bit about that. Uh, oh yeah. I did want to mention though, you know, I I mentioned it last week at the start of the show, and I'll mention it again. Uh, the the new Mac Geek Gab Squad forum, and I, I'm still not happy with Squad. I, I think it's going to be the gang, right? Crew? No, it's going to be gang. Posse? Mac Mac Geek Gab Gang. See, we got that whole thing going. I, I, go. I
0: like it. Yeah. It, it's got the G thing going for it.
1: All me, right. GQ. Well, then then consider it done. We will uh, that change we made. So the new Mac wow. Geek Gab Gang forum is out there uh, in the Mac Observer forums, and it's rocking. It's great. We've got people asking questions, we've got people answering questions, and it's not just John and I answering questions. We've got a couple of listeners, actually more than a couple, uh, out there helping people out. It, it's great. I, I'm really, really happy with how it's coming, and, and you can come visit it. You know, uh, go visit MacObserver.com, click on forums, and you'll see it right there. But uh, we'll put a link in the show notes too. Before yes. we before we get into Snow Leopard, uh, I do want to talk about our first sponsor of the show, John. And it is a longtime sponsor of the show, smileonmymac.com. They recently released a, an iPhone version of Text Expander, which, of course, is a program I use on my Mac regularly. On the Mac, what Text Expander does is it sits in the background, it monitors everything you type. And when you type a certain shortcut, and this is something you go into the system preference pane for text expander and define uh, when you type one of a series of uh, shortcuts, it then goes and fills in all this text. So, you know, you can type, uh, you know, comma, sig uh, comma, sig and boom, it fills in your signature or really whatever you want. If you're filling out forms all the time and I have my cell phone number and my office number. I have shortcuts for those, so, and I use them so often I almost used one the other day when I was leaving someone a voicemail. I almost said Oh six zero three instead of uh, actually speaking my office phone number it 's that ingrained in my psyche so uh, so that 's Text expander for the Mac. You can get a free version uh, or a free trial rather, and, and then it 's four fourteen ninety eight now is the special pricing uh, once you want to register. The iPhone version is 199. Now it's a similar concept on the iPhone, John, except that of course the iPhone doesn't let any third-party developer monitor the entire text input stream. So what you do is you launch the Text Expander Touch app, and you compose your email or uh, note or whatever it is you want in there, and and then when you're done. And you compose using all of the shortcuts and everything, and you can even sync them with your Mac. So if you've got this whole series of shortcuts that you built on your Mac, you just launch text expander touch on the iPhone. You tell it sync up and boom, it syncs it with with the stuff that was on your Mac. So you don't have to re re re-enter any of this stuff. So then you go and you build it and then you say send to email or send to a note or or whatever it is you want to do with it. That's a dollar ninety nine. They have an SDK available. For developers, so that you can hang uh, your app off of of this and and build text expander funct- functionality uh, inside your app or with your app. So uh, we'll put a link to oh,
0: to that there too. Yeah, that's great. Actually, I am glad you clarified because when you said one ninety nine, I am like, wow, you know, I I really love these guys, but <laughs> that's pretty steep. <laughs> Sorry, one hundred ninety nine That's a, now you know it's I think $1. This $1. a dollar ninety nine. Yes, yes, excellent. But um, uh, so a little tale of woe, and then we'll, we'll move on here. But actually, I've had. Hardware problems for the last several days, and I'll tell you about one of them, which is my Palm died. My mm-hmm. Palm tung- tungsten tungsten T two, right? And apparently, I hadn't really been paying attention because apparently, Palm no longer makes uh, pure PDAs.
1: <laughs> no, that's right. No, they're they're out of. So that, this thing's that dead, game. and
0: then I'm like, wow. You know what device do I have that I could use to 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 substitute for the Palm, which did calendaring. Contact list, notes, things like that. You oh, know, and I've just got his hand. hand in the air, ooh, John. Oh, pick me, pick me. Oh <laughs> well, no, of course I have um, a couple. Actually, one for work and one for personal use. Uh, iPod Touch. Right. Um, the one thing I missed though is I was starting to, you know, replace, uh, you know, use the Notepad, and I'm like, oh man, you know, I always had a shortcut for the date because the Palm had that. It had a few built-in shortcuts, and one of them was right. the shortcut thing DS. Date stamp, and it will put a date stamp in here. So I'm going to guess the Texas expander could probably uh, handle that uh, uh, easily.
1: You know, I, I know it does on the Mac. I will assume that it does on the iPhone. I haven't tested that feature, but uh, but we'll throw it out there. So
0: cool. Yeah. So yeah, well, I'm on their page, and they actually do show if you say you D date, it will do something in a certain format. So I'm. Um, so, I think I may have to look at this in order to, you know, give me back the uh, the Palm experience which there you, go.
1: Uh, you know they were a leader, uh, I don't know. It's a dollar. it's a $1.99. Uh, the Mac app is downloadable from smileonmymac.com. The iPhone app, you can get a link from smileonmymac.com, but of course, you're going to download that and purchase it through the iTunes App Store. So, all available, uh, you can start at smileonmymac.com and that'll that'll get you anywhere. Everywhere. Anywhere, everywhere. All right. Moving on to Snow
0: Leopard. I still want to talk about my palm. Oh, go ahead. No, yeah, we'll, keep we'll, we'll talking. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just uh, upset. It, basically, what happens is it, it doesn't charge anymore, and to me, it's it's an ancient piece of hardware. It's not yeah. worth it. But but apparently, they stopped making those things long time ago. Uh 2005, I think, yeah. is when they stopped. And I got this thing a few years before that. So so I think it's about time to put it to rest. I'm I'm kind of sad, but again, I think the iPod Touch will be a, a worthy replacement.
1: Well, uh, you know, my my iPhone uh a year ago replaced my Trio 650 which was basically running on the same operating system as your yeah, Tungsten yeah. slightly different oh, but okay. you know i mean it was the, okay. it was and still you're... the Palm OS and it was not a perfectly smooth transition but uh but in the end i'm a lot happier
0: to be uh on the iPhone so yep. excellent so um I, we're going to dive right in here. What happened? So Friday, uh, did, did you um, No, were you home Friday? Did you did you dive into this immediately or?
1: Yeah, I was home Friday. I installed it on two machines. I installed the final build on the house iMac, which had been running the betas since WWDC. And then uh, and then I proceeded to install it on my um on my MacBook Pro, I had, a, I had a gig Friday night. I actually did install it before I went off to the gig. I knew I had to just get it installed. We were going to do this show today. I wanted to run it all weekend. I wanted to run it all day today at my desk so that I had, you know, at least a full day's experience on my main machine running the release yep. build. And, uh, and and so I did that. So, yeah, the and then over the weekend, I installed it on uh, on Lisa's machine, which actually ran into a, a, a bit of a problem. John Martellaro and I uh, talked about it at the staff meeting this morning, and he had a similar problem where during the install uh, it, you know, the first thing snow leopard does is it copies a bunch of files to your disc. Then it reboots from the DVD and proceeds yep. to to finish the install. Well uh, on Lisa's machine. Now this is a, and it doesn't seem to matter because John's machine was not of a similar ilk, but this is a first gen, you know, core duo MacBook pro. She uh it it copied everything over and then it proceeds to quit everything during the restart and it said cannot restart because the installer app uh canceled the restart. It wouldn't quit. But of course by this time mm-hmm. it was gone. It, it 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 had quit. And there was no menu bar, no nothing. So uh John Martillero, he you know, threw caution to the wind, he powered the machine down, powered it back up and everything worked fine. I I didn't want to do that. I thought, well, if I can get this back up and running. So I used Apple Remote Desktop to launch. I, I tried to launch the Finder with it. Now, this is different from screen sharing. And the, the, one of the differences that Apple Remote Desktop provides is the ability to launch an application uh, without clicking, uh, you know, inside the Mac. You can just say, go launch this program and boom, it it runs. So I couldn't launch Finder because it wasn't showing up in the list, but System Preferences was. So I launched that, and that got me a menu bar. And I thought, okay, great. Apple menu, restart. Nah, no, same thing. So then I launched Terminal and and did a shutdown from the uh, from the command line or a restart
0: from the command line,
1: and that that then it, it came back around and it you know it, it totally worked fine. So
0: nice. Okay. Yeah. So my experience. So, um. So I was home Friday because I had vehicular uh, difficulties. I was okay. was having hardware problems. But I was there. No, actually I was picking up my car when they dropped off the box. Okay. And it kind of freaked me out because the delivery status first said exception. Then it said exception resolved, uh, dropped off at neighbors. I'm like, huh? Then huh. it said signed for by authorization form. Ah, somebody okay. told me this is a trick they pull sometimes when they really want to deliver something. and right. uh, And there's no one there. So they say, well, I dropped it off at the neighbors. Got it. Whatever. But anyway, so I got it. Um, you know, I threw caution to the wind as well, because uh, I think I had hinted at the last show and also uh, actually uh, uh, I recently did the uh, Mac roundtable. Right. What a fun bunch there. And we talked about this, too. And and, and during that show, I said, I'm going to wait and watch everybody else screw their machine up. But as I was, as, but my support mechanism was Twitter. So most of the people that I follow and follow me are, you know, in, in the Mac realm. There, sure. there are other people, but a lot of them are Mac users. Um and as I was seeing the reports rolling in, I'm like, you know, there doesn't really look to be any showstoppers here. So, you know, I'm going to dive in uh, uh, to know what to expect, though. There is a list of incompatible apps uh, that we will we'll probably link to this uh, site um, that did that. Or where the heck is it here? It's, it's a short one.
1: Hey, it's snow leopard dot wiki dot dot com is is probably go. the most popular one. It's a, 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 you know, home, not home built, but. Somebody built a wiki and and basically allows anyone to update it with their
0: their experiences. And, and that has been awesome. very helpful. Yeah. Now, the thing is, it rolled over and died like the night before. And everybody's freaking out. They're like, because th- this is what you want to do is look in that list and just make sure there are no showstoppers. They have OK. They have issues. And then they have this will not work. Right. Um, so I installed it. Um, I did a full time machine backup uh, beforehand because I had a corrupted one. So I did it over Ethernet. and You and I chatted a bit about throughputs and why it's so darn slow, even though it's on gigabit Ethernet. But I backed up my drive. Then I applied it, um, knowing, knowing what to expect. But, you know, I got to say this was, for me, I think one of the smoothest upgrades ever. And... I don't want to trivialize what they do because I started using it over the weekend. and Maybe you too, Dave. There's a lot of neat little things that, that pop out at you that are buried in the OS uh, in various
1: levels. All right. Well, let's let's uh, let's dig into that. Let's talk about some of the stuff we found, because I found everyone has different stuff on their list, which is awesome. Uh, you know, and and I think we can uh, we can start guiding our, our listeners a little bit here and and. And at least tell you what we've found in the you know, three days that we've been using it or, or, or longer in, in yeah. various cases. So
0: um, yeah, go so ahead. I got here uh, stuff that does not work. So I'll click that off real quick. That okay. If you have this, then so spam fire, it's a old older spam filter that doesn't work. Um, right. Or it was having problems logging into my ISP it would keep saying that the invalid password submitted or something. So something screwed up. I don't know what it is. I'm sure it's running under Rosetta. I actually got spam civ as a replacement and that's working nicely. Eudora works. Eudora 6.2.4 works great under Rosetta. Right. Um, as, as you may know, it, Rosetta is not installed by default. You, you either install it, you know, uh, uh, by clicking on an option or it will prompt you if you're r- trying to run a, a power PC app and, and just Lever. to
1: just to be clear mm-hmm. Rosetta for, for those of you who don't know for those right. of you who joined the Mac game only in the last several years Rosetta is the Translation engine built into Mac OS 10 that allows you to run programs that were not built for the Intel code But instead built for the older power PC processors, so uh, so it's it's actually a it's a piece of magic that it works as yeah. seamlessly as it does. Um, it's only, I think, two megs, right? I mean, it, add, it adds two megs to the install of OS X, which just
0: blows me away. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so. actually, in my case, Eudora is running better under 10.5. I would have issues a lot of times where Eudora just would not launch, despite Rosetta. So either they fix Rosetta or there's something else in the OS, but Eudora is more reliable now, working with Spansiv. Um well, it's, you know, it's
1: it's worth mentioning that, mm-hmm. you know, you have, though, the Snow Leopard installer doesn't upgrade. And we talked about this last week, so I don't want to go too deep in here again. But it completely replaces it, puts a new OS out there and then mm-hmm. inherits all your settings. Right. I mean, that's that's really what happens. Yep. Leopard is gone. So it's not like it was uh, just patching Leopard. It puts a new OS. Oh, out, sure. Inherits your settings. So. Perhaps some of the uh, clean up or speed up or anything that we see might just be getting the cruft out of Leopard and and starting anew. So oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Um. So some quick things, and then I'll I'll hand it to you. So mm-hmm. some things that did not initially work. I have a couple of VPN clients. Uh, Cisco and uh, Juniper um, makes one. Cisco has a standalone client. That gave an error message a lot of times that you get when the kernel extension is is, is uh, not started and you can try to revo- revive it from the command line. That did not work. The solution with the Cisco VPN client is to uninstall and reinstall it. Don't ask me why that works, but it does. Uh, Juniper also, we also use that for a VPN solution. They have a Java-based app, and that did not work. The reason being is that uh, Snow Leopard kind of messes with the directory structure and permissions. There is a fix for that because one of my colleagues actually said, oh, dude, this doesn't work anymore. And I'm like, that's unacceptable. And it's a Java app. I mean, I can understand a standalone app, but a Java app breaking between the two. I mean, if anything now, there there actually is, I noticed, a Java preferences utility where now you can say, do you want a 32-bit or 64-bit VM? Hmm. I think that's new. I, I hadn't seen a Java preferences before. If you look, Dave, you'll probably see it in your utilities folder as well. Um, so that's a real real quickie, and then uh, I'll let you cover a few things. I want to, And then I want to talk about kind of the two most amazing things that I found. But I, okay. I want to give you a little time to okay. talk. Okay. <laughs>
1: uh, okay, so, yeah, it, it, as far as things that, that don't run, we talked last week about menu meters. One thing that was interesting and this is worth noting, if you are installing Snow Leopard on a Mac that will not run in 64-bit, i.e., a Mac that is a Core Duo. So there was the that's the first gen MacBook Pros, or uh, quite a few of the Mac Minis. I think were were Core. Duo. Are you
0: saying that the Core Duo is a 32-bit processor? That's how, that's what I'm saying. And and I'm with you. And actually, I'm, yep. I'm fortunate. The one that I have at work does have the Core too. But there was a yeah. There has been a from power PC to core. So, but, but, but anyways, yeah. So, so there are quite a few machines that have the core two and you can, uh, I'm sorry, the core duo and you can absolutely install snow right. leopard. But the caveat you found was interesting.
1: Yeah. It, 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 it runs everything in 32 bit because it simply cannot run anything in 64 bit. But what that means is all these very minor and in some cases, not so minor incompatibilities that have cropped up because of this 64 bit um uh, you know, application layer, if you will, don't exist on the uh, on the Core Duo machines. It 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 surprised me on leases that I saw menu meters running. I was like, oh no, did the install fail? Am I still running Leopard? And then I realized, oh no no no, it's fine. It's just all thirty two bit, and so it runs fine. Um, but it, for the rest of us, that doesn't work. Uh, you had some great luck with VPN clients. We heard some reports from some uh, some IBMers that the VPN client that they're using uh is has been you know officially not supported on snow leopard uh i haven't heard of anyone that's been able to get it to run but uh but if that changes or if you know anything let us know i had a couple of apps that that didn't work one is a geocaching app that you can use to load up your uh your garmin gps or whatever called mac caching and it was having trouble detecting file types which was interesting and then of course our you know, favorite two utilities, Onyx and Cocktail, that uh, that allow you to keep your Mac clean. N- things like that will not run until they're updated for the new OS, because what they do is they go out and they clean things. And you don't want, you know, a, an app built for Leopard going out and cleaning Snow Leopard because things might be, as John found, in different places. So, um, and, you know, as part of the install on all three machines that I did it, I saw a minimum of 10 gigabytes freed up by the install and on one machine it was a little over 15 it was almost 16 gigabytes freed up and now that doesn't that you know i discounted swap files that would get freed up on reboots anyway this was raw disk space that was being held up by leopard and i'm always pretty pretty uh conservative about my installs i never install the language packs i'm always you know very careful only to install the printer drivers i need so it's very interesting to see you know that uh you know maybe all that power pc code or legacy stuff that was hanging out with leopard get rid of that and uh certainly certainly was nice especially on the uh machine that i just downgraded size wise to the 128 gig ssd to have some more room out there so
0: that's uh, so i found something that that can help um if you go to the the system profiler um, which you mm-hmm. can get to, of course, going to the Apple menu about this Mac, more info. There is a place you can look to kind of learn the, the new lay of the land here. And there is a portion of the system profiler. Sub- software is the major category. Um, and there's a little something in there we'll talk about later. Um, but applications. So what happens if you go to software and applications? There will now be two additional columns. And I believe it's architecture or, or no, that's been there before, but then it'll say 64 bit. Yes or no. Right there are some Intel apps that are still 32 bit and there are some that are 64 bit. So, um, yeah, it's interesting to be able to see, and you can look also at the get list that to see what's been updated.
1: You can also get that in activity monitor with running apps that it'll, it'll show you which right. Intel apps are running 64 bit too, which is, I, it can be handy. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't think it's anything to obsess over right now. I, I, you know, I think it's no foundation for the future.
0: Yeah, it, um, uh, in general, as we discussed you know sixty four bit will you know probably you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna minutes. take a
1: break Yeah, let's save it no i'm gonna i'm gonna play his discussion I'm gonna play his little uh, mr x called oh and okay. uh, it's a perfect time and then we'll jump right back into the stuff John and I found so we'll let mr. X take
2: it regarding me <clears throat> regarding the thirty two versus sixty four bit uh stuff you're talking about um <clears throat> well, you know with sixty four bit uh you know you have uh, some larger registers. Also available that allow you to move data through the processor in larger chunks, but um, the the current crop of x86 64-bit processors, just like the uh, when we first moved to 32-bit and 16-bit, uh, are able to switch pretty quickly from a 32-bit mode to a 64-bit mode. So that may be all that's happening if you, with the kernel booting in 32-bit mode, is that. Uh, The kernel runs in 32-bit mode to support, like you said, those old uh, kernel extensions and things. And then when when a 64-bit application is using the processor, it's able to access the larger registers uh, and move 64 bits of data through the processor at a time rather than 32. Um, Just my quick thoughts on, on that
1: no, that's great thank you uh, thank you very much and actually we had uh, two articles on the site white one that you wrote last week John about 32 versus 64 bit and then uh, one that John Martellaro wrote today uh, kind of a different t- two different angles on the on the same subject so we've got a good resource at TMO and we'll put some links to uh, to those in the show notes
0: yeah but I think yeah. in general the, the the conclusion is that running in 64-bit is generally better but on the other hand processors uh, throughout time and i've seen this when you've gone from 8 to 16 to 32 bit to 64 and we'll see 128 at some point no doubt sure um you don't totally lock out the prior architecture so a 64-bit processor can certainly run 32-bit code and the 32-bit environment can try to run 64-bit code it may have to do non-optimal things but typically you can move in multiple directions uh, though of course you'd really want 64-bit code running on a 64-bit everything else. Sure. Sometimes that doesn't happen as we talk about drivers, kernel extensions, stuff like that. Um, so it's probably not worth too much worry. Yeah. And as we've, you know, my article kind of introduced, you know, the progression of 64-bit and how they they keep like to, they keep using that term and it kind of gets confusing because there's so many parts of the system you can apply it to. Right. And then you you had a, a article, Dave, that I guess was some pre installation strategies. Which, uh, yeah. if people are still listening to us. Then I think <laughs> that was successful. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we got that. Now, can I talk about probably? The, I got two things that I really like. Go. Okay. Pick pick, pick pick one. Pick pick your favorite or save your favorite, but pick one. No, my favorite <laughs> that I'm going to pick here, and and I think I'm in a unique position. Um, the exchange support. Now, some people will. Skip to the next chapter here. But the Exchange support, dude, it is Apple. All right, so Exchange, as some of you may know, and if you don't, Exchange is a server-based product made by Microsoft that will handle email, scheduling, tasks, um, you know, your basic uh, everyday office stuff. And it's an environment, and the latest one, I think, is Exchange 2007 Server is the the latest one, which uh, runs with the PC, of course, using Outlook, or also runs on the Mac, normally in the past using entourage which was a part of office and that's their email client of course a lot of things have happened but what they did now and you know i wasn't quite sure i'm like all right well it supports it but what the heck does that mean and here i'm going to boil it down in practical terms because i actually did this here's what it means at this point exchange support in snow leopard means you have three applications that will get information or interact with the exchange server and those three applications are ical a calendaring info, mail, which makes yes, mail an exchange mail client, so maybe you don't need entourage, and address book, which ties into the directory maintained. But the thing is, the way they do this, Dave you, and, and you got to see it, and you know I'll send you some screenshots, but iCal, what happens in iCal? there's just an extra group. Oh! There's just an extra category now, and I'm looking right here, which is my email address at work, and under it are two additional categories, calendar and tasks. There are already my two existing um, uh, Mobile Me things. Under calendars, there's home and unfiled, which is one that it usually creates when it gets confused. But now all those calendars are available in the same iCal interface, and they're differentiated by different colors. Wow. Very cool, I think. So it just... It just works. Uh, excuse me. The way it works is that you have to go into one of the apps and say, add a new account. Okay. And when it asks for the type, it'll say under the type, oh, Exchange Server 2007. When you do that, it, it kind of runs a little wizard in the background and it says, hey, by the way, if you're hooking to an Exchange server, there are these two other apps on this computer that would really like to know about this. Would you like to tell them? So you can pretty much run any of those apps, add a new account or a new link to the, the server and it'll take care of the rest for the other apps. So to me, that's just pure Apple. Wow, that's awesome. How they did that. So I just happened to run iCal, and then when I went to Mail, now in Mail, I have, and, and I haven't really used Mail up until this point, there's just a new tab with my email address at work, Right. all the folders that I've created on the Exchange server, <clears throat> and I even um, you know ran this, and within this environment, sent myself an email to my home email from this, and it came from my work address sure so it's like to- oh. and, and exchange is nice too because exchange if you set it up right can do encryption between the client and the server and stuff like that and VPNs, It vpns and tunnels and they have a very neat auto discovery service it is kind of creepy is that it's like right. okay just give me your email address where you work and i'm like okay and it's like up oh, i found the exchange server that handles this i'm like oh that's awesome uh, that's great it's awesome but it's kind of sca- i mean it's it's excellent from a, a setup point of view the yeah. user has to know nothing except their email address And it takes care of the rest. Of course, we have, you know, an enterprise wide. That's a game changer right there. I mean, you
1: know, if if set up for everyone else is as easy as you saw and there's no reason to think that it wouldn't be. And except in, you know, maybe some, you know, corner cases. uh, Then now it's, you know, this whole issue of, well, the Mac and a corporate exchange uh, pain in the butt. You know, that whole complaint just goes away. It says, you know what, man, tell the I.T. guy to take a hike. Type in your email address, it'll figure the rest out. type in your password, and now suddenly you are you know as exchange aware as a Mac can be um, and even more so yep.
0: so yeah that's, the game that's great uh, and to me the the interesting part about this is that so so a few of us uh, at work were' chatting because we also use the Microsoft chat thing communicator or you can use messenger yep, and I speculated to one of the guys who's who's actually in i t working on this and he's a mac uh, uh, fan, which uh, is, is relatively new in our place. And I said, you know, does this mean I can ditch Entourage? And he's like, you know, almost except blah, blah, blah. And there there are a few, uh, you know, features not available in the mail interface to exchange. Uh, okay. A couple of things. I think they're pretty minor, but it's conceivable that you could participate in an exchange environment and not run Entourage. That's great. Based on my my limited experience sure. with using the three apps there, so again sure. it's iCal that lets you get to your your calendar, mail. Of course, lets you mail, and then Address Book lets you access a corporate directory uh, of you know directory information, you know address, phone numbers, stuff like that. So, right. I think it's a really powerful uh, you know first. Uh, swipe at this I think they did a really really nice job and, and I think it's great for, for people especially that are on <laughs> the only thing has got to be an exchange 2007 not everybody has that there, there okay. are older versions I think 2003 is the prior one right. so you got to have the latest with I think all the service packs and stuff especially if you're going to do the messaging then I think you, you really have to be quite up to date so I think that's okay. the only potential downside because I, I did have people write me Saying, dude, yeah. I'm on 2003. I'm out of luck, right? I, w-
1: I yeah. wonder what the adoption rate is right now. I mean, I wonder how many people, you know, of all the exchange uh, installations out there, how many are on 2007, and how many are are on a prior version? That'd be that'd be interesting to know.
0: So right. that's my uh, that's my favorite. And uh, what would you say if you had to pick one or two, Dave? Uh,
1: well, I I was actually going to go in a different direction and talk about something not quite oh, as positive. Okay. And and that's something that uh it well you know Pete uh emailed me and texted me a couple times he's like gosh I can't get this to install and and he had the you had the problem on two of your laptops right right okay And my first thought was, he's like, it won't install. It says the disk isn't bootable. And I had heard, because I think Pete told me, that PGP, whole disk encryption, is not compatible with Snow Leopard, right? And they announced this, right? Right. And and my disk was decrypted, though, so that's why. Right. And Pete said his disk was decrypted, and I thought, yeah, but that's probably it. And he said, no, but I'm having the same problem on my new 13-inch MacBook Pro that didn't have that, you know, I never had encrypted the disk. Well, this was Victor had this problem, right? Yeah, right. We
0: saw this afternoon. Yeah, we all kind
1: of, we all kind of, you know, melded our minds together via Twitter, and uh, sure enough, it was, you know, I, it was funny because Victor was figuring this out at the same time. I'm telling Pete, just uninstall PGP entirely from your machine and try it. And sure enough, that's the solution. So having it out there at all uh what and it did something weird on your on your thirteen inch even though whole disk encryption had never been installed, if you booted up and you held down the option key uh, you got you got two options two hard drives, two Macintosh hard drives, two oh. of the same yeah. now this has yeah. nothing to do with snow leopard right Ooh, this is yeah. all just p g p whole disk yeah. well they 've got to do some magic stuff and they 've got to go pretty deep uh to do what they 're doing, so you know that 's it now. Uh, It's part of our little pre-show. Pete was saying, you know, I can't believe that the folks at PGP got got caught short on this one. You know, uh, how could they not have known? And my my thought is, you know, tomorrow is September 1st. Right. So Apple kept saying September is when when this is going to come out in the past. That has meant September
0: 30th. 30th. At eleven fifty nine. Yeah, exactly.
1: It's like, yeah, what you know, how late in the day on the 30th? Can we, we reasonably release this? So I think a lot of people, including the big boys, thought Well, we got a month and uh, and we don't. And I think I think part of that was that Apple felt it was ready. But the other part was that, you know, Apple's got this big event coming up on on the ninth, uh, which was announced today. Uh, a big music event and they wanted to kind of clear this out so that their PR team and everybody was sort of ready to focus on, on the the next big thing there. So, so if you are or ever have run PGP whole disk encryption or even just installed it, be very careful about your snow leopard upgrade. Um, and, uh, and that, that that's all I'll say on, on that, as far as some new apps or some new things we found, um, mm-hmm. Chats has always been a favorite of mine, right? Now, chats has has always been kind of a a a hanger on to iChat. It it enhances it. It was the mm-hmm. original thing that put it in tabs. It has a unified contact list so you can have, you know, your Bonjour and your Jabber and your AIM, you know, stuff all in just one list. It very 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 nice utility. Uh and I was, you know, horrified to think, "Oh no, I'm going to have to live without this too," you know. And sure enough, they released a new version of checks. It's in alpha state right now, but very stable. Uh, but you don't launch iChat anymore. You launch checks and it it sort of launches iChat inside its own wrapper. It's a it's a very interesting thing. But for anybody that's out there using it and, uh, you know, uh, likes any of the stuff that Chax does it. You know, I like it because it auto accepts incoming chat requests instead of saying, do you want to accept click this button? It's like, yeah, well, somebody type something to me. Just put it on my screen. It's OK. You know. Um, so I, I, I like checks and it was happy to see that it had been, uh, it had been properly updated. So, um, so that, that, that's my thing. Can I, can I talk about one more before you, uh, before you talk about your next thing? Tom? I,
0: I think I have two more positives, but
1: all right. yes, yeah, well, so go, well, I'll, I'll start you down a path here. So, uh, Ooh. some things have changed, right? One thing that Apple does, and we, we talked about this, uh I think it was early in August, maybe late in July. We were talking about the adjustment. If you wanted to change the warning, the percent change, the the, if if you wanted to go, uh, I'm I'm rewinding here, if you wanted to go into mobile me sync and change the threshold at which it warns you when there is uh, a, a data change alert. You know, by default, it's at five percent. Some people may decide I only, you know, 25 percent is good enough for me. Yet you used to have to do that in the iSync app, which was sort of counterintuitive since no one ever ran that. Well, it's still there in the iSync app if you want. However, it's also in the mobile me preference pane. So far more obvious that it's even an option to change this if you just happen to stumble through. So that, that was nice to see there. Um, and, I, and I'll 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 circle into this and then let you take it, John. The, the uh, menu let for iSync has changed quite a bit too. Uh, on the surface, it looks the same, except that when it's syncing, it tells you what component it is in the act of syncing, right? So it, you know, it might be calendar, it might be contacts, it might be your know, Jimbo, it might be text expander. Um, if you hold down, if you cl- click on the menu, it tells you what it's syncing at that moment. If you hold down the option key and click the, the menu, not only does it tell you that, it tells you when the last time was it synced any of those components individually. So it's possible that the most recent sync was only for one thing because nothing else has changed. Well, it then tells you, and, and it's a nice little glimpse to see, wait, you know, has it been three days since my contacts synced? If, if so, maybe I've got a problem out there. So uh, very handy. Now,
0: I think you found a couple other things that are related to that, John. Yes, there are a bevy of options now. So if you if you look at your menu bar things... Um, um, you're going to have a lot of things where if you hold down option, extra cool things will happen. Um, one, I think we both noticed, Dave, uh, airport. Yeah, that's we the get big one. quite a bit more detail about, and if I hold it down now and look, we get the actual mode of the connection. Mine says 802.11n, uh, SSID, the specific channel, the frequency of it, the security type. Uh, I have W-A- WPA2 personal. The, the receive signal strength, the transmit rate. And I don't even know what an MCS index is. Maybe that has to do with the, the key.
1: You know, Glenn Fleischman put up a great article about this, and I can't remember uh, which site it was. It might have been tidbits. It could also have been Macworld. He he writes for uh, a couple of people. It could have been Ars Technica, too. Uh, but I, I, we'll, mm. we'll put a link to that in the show notes because it's awesome. Uh, and it, it explains all of that and more. But, yeah, that airport menu
0: great. thing that rocks. Yep. Like I think one thing is uh, the probably one of the more notable that shows signal strength of the remote uh, stations when it's listing other stations. Not just they exist, but that's right in the menu relative strength. Yeah. Um, a few other things I noticed, uh, both on the menu and in general, Time Machine tells you a little bit more about what the heck it's doing. <laughs> If you notice, the status messages are a bit more informative. Tell me
1: this, because I didn't notice anything better out there, but maybe I haven't looked
0: enough. Oh, no. Well, look at the, again, either look at the option or just run it. You will see it'll say, you know, preparing, indexing. It'll give you percentages. Time Machine gives you, and and reportedly from what I hear from others, it's faster. Uh, It takes care of a lot of these steps where you're wondering what it's doing. Um, So that's all I'll say. That's a very minor one. Um, Battery it'll show you the battery condition now, which you used to be able to get in the uh, uh, system profiler. And you can get still get status. it there. Yeah. But you can now also, again, if you do the option and you click here, it'll say condition and it should say normal. If it doesn't, then yeah, uh, it could say condition replace battery. So um, so that I thought was neat in the menu bars. Um, but probably the final thing, Dave, that I thought was cool. Yeah. Uh, we got to know an extended chat about this. So I was just poking around in all of, the, uh, all of the control panels, and I saw date and time. And Actually, like, oh, you know what? Well, I'm going to
1: hold you right there, because this okay. is a great opportunity to, uh, I, I, and I you know want to make sure we get uh, all of our sponsors in here. I want to oh, get our absolutely. second sponsor in, because this is a great conversation, and I don't want to hold it up. Uh, CircusPonies.com is our second sponsor for the show, and Circus Ponies makes Notebook at version 3.0. Actually, they made 1.0 and 2.0 as well, but uh, but they're up to 3.0. What notebook does is it allows you to create multiple, if you like, electronic notebooks. Now, these start out in hierarchy, hierarchy, I'm having trouble talking tonight. Hierarchical format. And you start typing in an outline. It looks just like a notebook, you know, lined piece of paper on your screen. But the cool thing is it indexes all of this. You can pull in. PDFs. You can write with a scratch pad if you've got a tablet or if you're, uh, you know, good with the trackpad or your mouse. Uh, You can if you pull a PDF in, you can annotate it. If you pull a uh, like a a scanned fax in or if you get an e-fax and you pull that in, it'll actually OCR it. So you have all of the details right in there. You can then index all this stuff by keyword, if you like, by subject. And if you create multiple notebooks, say one for, you know, uh recipes at home, one for uh preparing for my vacation, one for schoolwork, one for whatever you want, you can search across all of them. And you can search by date, you can search by date that you entered, you can search by keyword, you can search by what you remember typing or something around there and then, and and then zero in on it. So this is all available from circusponies.com. Notebook 3.0 is $49.95. Now, of course, there's a 30-day free trial, so you can go check it out before you decide to buy. Uh, if you have, uh, if you are a student or staff or uh, in the administration of uh, school, you can get it for $29.95, so you save $20 there. If you want to buy a three-user family pack, that's $99.95, so you're saving 50 bucks there. All available at circusponies.com. Notebook version 3.0. All right, John. Now you said you have a feature that you found in snow leopard. And, uh, and this is good because we started talking about this in our pre-show and and I'm eager to, uh, to learn more. I forgot what it
0: was. (laughs) Mm. No, of course not. So I went poking around in all of the um, panes in the system preferences because they always hide little goodies and, and some were very minor. But here's the one that I thought Really has a lot of potential and was very cool. So I went to Date and Time. Yeah, what's there? Who knows? Uh, and they have three uh, sub-tabs if you call it. So Date and Time is what you'd expect. You know the the uh, you know calendar or the time and date, and you can set them. You can set automatically using an NTP server, which is a Network Time Protocol server. There's a clock tab, which uh, is the style of the clock, and you know whether alarms or whatever. Then there's a time zone one, which normally uh on most apple devices you just identify where you are okay i'm in new york city i'm in boston i'm wherever and it'll it'll set it accordingly well here there was a box that was unchecked and it says set time zone automatically using current location oh how does this work i asked myself <laughs> so i was how on my work? macbook and this is part of the the way this does work so i was on my macbook um using wireless i rarely wire My MacBook machine, uh, my my desktop machine, is is permanently wired. Um, Though I did wire this when I was doing my backup because I thought it'd make it go faster, and I guess it did. Anyways, so it sits there, and it spins for a couple seconds, and then it puts a pin, kind of like some other Apple apps do when they find a location, especially on telephone and iPod touch devices, and it said, closest city, Fairfield, Connecticut. I'm like, okay, that's kind of creepy. Like... i mean and and this is where i got thinking and dave you and i can have a discussion about this and and the whole discussion is how exactly is it determining my location so in this case i wasn't quite sure because there are a couple of ways if you have a wireless computer you could do that one way is of course and and lots of services do this already um, you look at someone's ip address you and assuming that it's a valid ip address You can, uh, there's pretty reliable data out there that can at least identify the the pipe or the big massive router that you're plugging into. So it may not necessarily be the city or town that you're in, but it's pretty darn close. And I think for time zone purposes, that's a given. There are some other ways to determine location. And as I found today, I figured out what it was doing because I upgraded my work Mac Mini Ah. to Snow Leopard as well. And when I tried to run this, this machine is wired. It said, please activate airport to enable uh, locating you or something along that. And I'm like, yep. huh, well, if it's saying that, <laughs> it's obviously using uh, the wireless that's access that. points that it's there or, or Skyhook, as we know it, to determine location. Because that's the only other means that you can use, at least on the MacBook." Of course the uh, iPhone has GPS so if you are uh, so my conclusion is that if you are near a skyhook registered Wi-Fi access point which to me is not you know (laughs) it's better than nothing um, it will provide the location in this but but again watching it happen the first time was kind of creepy now I know you have some thoughts on the whole on the whole topic here I touched on some of them Dave but you've you've worked in this area too I think um,
1: well, yeah, you know the thing is. So I I tried this right, and I turned the thing on, and it sat and hunted for a little while, and then it didn't work. You know, it said, "Oh, we can't find where you are." And I'm like, "Well, of course you can't find where I am." You know, I don't think I'm in Skyhook's database. My router here at the office. Uh, so you know, why would it? Uh, why would it work? And and then I started thinking, well, why would they limit it? to just skyhook why why not like you said john you know except that okay this skyhook thing isn't going to tell us you know that we're in 40 feet of some router but it can tell us that we're within 20 miles of you know whatever town that ip uh resolves to so uh you know and that as 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 you and I, i think both agree would be more than sufficient for uh Time zone purposes. Now, you know, other location based services, maybe not so much, but certainly for time zone, you know, chances are you're not going to get it wrong. Now, I had some I complained about this on Twitter and some people said, well, you know, if you're connected to a VPN, uh, your IP address might not resolve to right where you are. And I say that's Hmm. true. However, the system is well aware that there is a VPN connection happening and could account for that. Or at least say, you know, you're using some non-standard network adapter. Are you using a VPN? And if so, we don't recommend you do it this way. So it could be a lot smarter. And frankly, I think they got lazy with this. And I, uh, that's uh, that's where I'm going to start with this.
0: I agree. No, I agree. That they, they took the existing code base, which uses either Skyhook or cell tower location, because that's what the iPhone is limited to. Uh, the limited. iPhone
1: goes one further, though. Right, The iPhone has GPS in it, and all
0: of that contributes to location yes. services. I'm sorry. So you have three. So you have Skyhook, yeah. you have Wi-Fi, you have GPS, and you have cell tower. And between right. the three, I believe that is what the what's called core location in the iPhone uh, yeah. clicks through to figure out where the heck you're at. That's the, right. The current implementation in the Mac, which now in their defense, Apple did not check this by default. I would have... Mm shook my fist at them if they did because yeah. it would have been a support nightmare because most people, I would assume the majority of people, are not near a Skyhook registered Wi-Fi access point. Or Yeah. I believe that's what they're doing, again, in light of the fact that the, the wired machine said, dude, I, I can't even do this for you. you got to turn on a wireless adapter.
1: Now, here, so. here's something. What I'm going to do tomorrow, and i I got to test this out, Maybe it's smart enough to know that, yeah, okay, you know, for whatever reason, we chose not to do IP address uh, resolution. And I can guarantee Mm -hmm. you they're not doing it because, uh, you know, in one of the hats I wear, of course, is is uh, making sure all the technology works over at BackBeat Media and or at least being responsible when it doesn't work. Uh, And (laughs) uh, (laughs) and one of the things that we that we use is geo targeting with our advertisements sometimes. And to test that, I, uh, you know, use myself as the guinea pig from time to time. And my IP address here has at times said I'm in Durham, New Hampshire, and also at times said I'm in Dover, which is one town over. So certainly within 10 miles. Uh, and so not not totally exact, but certainly close enough. And I know that I'm in at least, you know, the majority of the GOIP databases that exist out there. So. Uh, they're they're definitely not doing it that way. And if they were doing it that way, well, then you wouldn't have to have wireless on to make it work. Right. So clearly they've they've attached this to Skyhook. But wouldn't it be cool if you connected your iPhone up to iTunes to sync it up and the system was smart enough to go out and talk to your iPhone and say, hey, hey while we're uh, talking here, mind passing me your GPS coordinates? Which they certainly could do that. They certainly could. Now, we have not seen an update to iTunes. Any GPS, for that matter. That's right. right. Yeah. Now, we haven't seen an update to iTunes yet, but there is, you know, I I would uh, say there's a good chance that we're going to see iTunes 9 coming out on September 9th, 2009 at the uh, it's only rock and roll, (laughs) but we like it event. So it's it's all nines, isn't it? It is all nines. Number nine. I wish Uh, it would
0: have gone to 11, but...
1: (laughs) Alas, (laughs) Alas, <laughs> we have to wait two years for that. <laughs> That'll be Spinal Tap Day, right, November eleventh, two thousand eleven. 2011. Okay, yeah,
0: I don't follow that back closely. Oh. So, um, okay, but so it's nice to see. It could certainly use refinement, but I, I think it's a. Uh, I've I've not seen any other you know run of the mill PC or computer use uh, use location like this baked into the OS. So I think it's kind of cool.
1: Yeah. No, it's good. It's a it's a good first step. I'm glad they're doing it, but it seems kind of lame. But then again, they're also not out there beating a drum saying, hey, look, we've got core location. Your Mac always right. knows where it is. Right. You know, it it it's right. a start. Not so,
0: yet. Which right. is why people like me and you dig through every control panel or right. system preference. <laughs> right. And I'm never going to stop saying that. I'm sorry. I was brought up. a Yeah. There were always nine guys. Guy. Yeah. Or system six
1: guys is what we, you know, that's where I started on the Mac it was 605 yeah. was the first one I used on my SE30. I thought I was on seven. No, Maybe six. You, you, six no, I think you were on seven by the time you got the 2CI, well, right? Though, actually, no, I think no. I worked on six. No, you were, I, I, yeah. I,
0: no I mentioned I, I interned around late 1980s at GE and we right. had Mac twos. So I think we may have been doing six on those. Okay. 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 One other thing that caught my eye yeah. quick yeah. security general. There is a box with a check mark in it require password and it defaults to immediately after sleep or screen saver begins. Oh, that's nice. Thank goodness. Because you know, uh, you know how many interns I've had to, you know, haze, when when they come into the workplace and they walk away from the computer and it's logged into the corporate network with their ID oh, so bad. we've we've played various tricks on them I, i'm usually pretty gentle but sometimes it can get pretty pretty mean your ceo letters <laughs> uh yeah things like that or dear coworker who i have a crush on no that <laughs> That's nice. just talk of legend. <laughs> Though, dear CEO is good. And actually, we did show one time. It was funny. It was uh, in, in one of our departments, uh, non-technical people, and we were talking about the ins and outs of email. And he's like, Oh, what are you saying? That you could just write an email that looks like it came from the CEO?" And I'm like, "Yeah, Absolutely. give me a second. Yeah. Logged into the uh, logged into the SMTP server. Logged in. You know, said it was from CEO to this guy. He got the email a second later, and he just had this kind of wide eyed." shocked look on his face he's like it's that easy i'm like it's that yeah. easy it's that easy if you know yeah if you <laughs> know if you, how if to you, do you it if you dig into the dirt a bit and you well, learn the ins and outs of a, a lot of email <laughs> systems your your skype connection stinks tonight john um i it, and i don't know what you, it is i'm getting twenty i'm getting zero packet loss what, what's, I have what's activity monitors say do you have headroom 23 uh, percent on each processor okay all right i'm telling you dude my, my machine is running Lean and mean as far as I can tell, I saw huh. packet loss, sample rates are twenty four thirty millisecond round trip that' on your end. it could be you know what
1: let's uh <laughs> I, I will uh pause the show here all right, so we recalled you um and, and we'll see if we'll see if this gets any better one uh, one thing I noticed and and I do want to get to a couple of these listener comments about snow leopard. I don't think we're going to get outside of this topic realm tonight since we were no. already past the fifty minute mark but uh one one little tidbit that I liked I took a screenshot. And now instead of it just being, you know, picture one dot PNG or whatever it is on the uh, on the desktop. Now it actually timestamps it. So there's a date and timestamp with every picture, which is better than it used to be. So, you know, kudos to Apple. I I was I was happy about that. One thing a listener reported to us, John, is that if you take our AAC podcast and open it in QuickTime 10 in Snow Leopard, There's a little button that looks like kind of like the top sites button uh, in Safari 4. And if you click that, it shows all of the chapters of the podcast in a grid layout. Uh, So that's pretty cool. You can you know, you can click on that and uh, pick your chapter that way visually. Yeah, which is cool. And and I can't believe you. This wasn't on your list, uh, but Snow Leopard now correctly reports disk capacity and begins to, you know, kill off the gigabyte conspiracy or whatever, whatever we called it. What did we call it?
0: What are you saying? Uh, How are they measuring? They're saying a thousand bytes is a a kilobyte, not a thousand twenty four, right? Well, that's no
1: it now is doing a thousand twenty four. Right, John? I don't
0: know. I wasn't paying attention.
1: Sorry, no. In Snow Leopard, macOS ten point six. Now it is in base ten. So storage is the Snow Leopard will report the same capacity that the drive vendor says. Oh, because drive vendors, consi- it's at least consistent. It it actually perpetuates the megabyte
0: myth, right? <laughs> well, is no, it, in that they're they're consistently wrong now. Co- okay, correct. I. I, yeah. I don't know if I view that as progress, but at least they're consistently misrepresenting the size of a drive. Correct. So when you get a drive (laughs) that says 320 gigabytes, it's to report it. You aren't, it isn't going to show up as 298 anymore. Yeah, Correct. Okay. Correct. Lies, so, lies. So Apple's all. lying to you as well as the... Yeah, drive that's right. They're adventure. in cahoots with the drive vendor. So this is
1: bad. This is terrible. All right. Snow, yeah. Leopard's,
0: Snow Leopard's a piece of garbage. Uninstall it. Let's move back to no. uh, System 6. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. <laughs> now, QuickTime Player, I noticed this. Now, now one thing I did happen that was a, had happened that was a little hiccup, uh, Windows media files that are like .wmv, yeah, at least on my system, as soon as I upgraded and there is now a new QuickTime Player, there does not appear to be a Pro. I don't know if they ditched that. Did they ditch that finally?
1: Yes, it it seems like QuickTime Pro has gone away. Uh, in fact, so, it definitely so, has.
0: Yeah. So you now have QuickTime X, I believe, or is that what they're calling it? QuickTime I, Ten. Yeah. I will look here. Yeah. Or I'm sorry. Oh X. Yeah. You can't say X. Like no, it. dude. I should have broken that habit years ago. <laughs> I was so it's not surprised version to 10 quick, But when I tried to launch a WMV, it would actually try to launch the the little helper app, uh, Flip for Mac WMV. It would try to launch that instead, and it would say, dude, what are you trying to do launching me? Launch QuickTime instead. So a okay. little minor hiccup, but once I switch that app over. okay. Um, okay in info what else am i looking at here growl growl has a uh, old growl will work but it has a massive memory leak or, or at least oh. a memory leak there's a new growl beta that will work cause oh i should
1: install that because i i you know as i said you've I, seen I, the light bro. i've seen the light yeah but but if it's got a memory leak then i've got a problem
0: <laughs> no there's like 1.2 b uh, yeah no okay. the, the existing version if you look in console it'll just keep saying mm. yep bye 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 oh not good <laughs> So uh, yeah, so so anyway, yeah. If you are on Snow Leopard, or as we call it, S L S L, can we be the cool kids yet? I don't think we're that cool. We're too old. All John. I know is that the Twitterverse really loved it when I used the word Snow Leopard, especially the bots. Oh my god, oh, yes, yeah. terrible! I I don't even want to relive that. It, it was so traumatic. <laughs> For a while, I was getting phantom responses from bots because I would use Snow Leopard, and apparently, the people kind of like the people that write spam. They know the hot topics, right? So I was getting, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, again, uh, move on. Okay,
1: uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump to one of. I don't think I have anything else on on my list here. I don't. So I'm gonna jump to. Excuse me. I never do Whoa. that in front of the microphone. I just I sniffed. Oh, you know, there's it happens. A button there, man. I know. Yeah. Well, my my. Uh,
0: I don't I know mean, where mine my, is, but you you should know where yours is. I,
1: you know where yours? Is. It's it's a, it's the big button that says mute. above mute. your microphone <laughs> channel there. That's the one. All right. So uh, Paul writes. And said, I have a big question concerning Snow Leopard compatibility. I think there should be a big topic of discussion on your next show. Uh, and it was. Uh, I'm currently running OS 10 10.5.8 with Photoshop CS3 and CS4 installed. The reason for that is I haven't figured out all the new stuff in CS4, but, first, but worse yet, I can't figure out some features that were easy in CS3 but changed in CS4. I'm beginning to regret purchasing the upgrade. I even tried a third-party manual. I read a post on Photoshop forum that said there are some compatibility problems with CS3 and Snow Leopard. But I also read, I believe, from an Adobe site that Adobe hasn't tested this combination yet. I'm trying to get a definitive answer on that from Adobe. This is a huge issue for me since I depend on Photoshop. Do you guys use Photoshop at all? OK, uh, and and then he goes on to say perhaps some listener can weigh on in this. And please do. Uh, I use Photoshop. I have CS3. It is the only version I have. I use it in a very lightweight way. That said, I have used it on uh, Adobe's Adobe's is exactly as Paul stated. They have said, uh, yeah, we haven't tested that. It's like, really? You know, seriously, you got this whole user base, but whatever. Well, I think
0: I think there has been a whole controversy around exactly what was said and how it was said. We've got an article up on TMO. Okay. uh, yeah. yeah, Jeff, did Jeff do that? Jeff
1: took care of it. Yeah. Uh, But I tested Photoshop CS3 on Snow Leopard and for my purposes, it works fine and I've had zero bugs. So uh, that, you know, I'll I'll, there may be it's entirely possible that there are parts of Photoshop that, you know, either don't work or work in in skittish ways. I probably use, you know, 15 to 20 percent of what's out there in Photoshop, but I have run into zero problems and I've used it twice uh, now, which is very rare for me. Uh, usually I use Photoshop about twice a month and to use it twice in four days is is rare. But I haven't. And it worked fine. And, you know, no, no problems at all. One app that I will point out, though, uh, that does not work well. And this is all detailed in snow leopard dot uh, wiki dot dot org or dot or com or whatever it is that we mentioned before is QuickBooks. QuickBooks appears to run in Snow Leopard, of course, uh, but it. Fails when you try to do certain things like recording Mm -hmm. receivables and things like that. So if you run QuickBooks, do not upgrade your machine to Snow Leopard. And uh, we're waiting on an update from uh, from them. And hopefully that's forthcoming. You know, a a lot of people, as we said before, you know, did not expect this to come out this soon. But uh, but even still, you know, worth worth knowing. So that's that. Should we move on to uh, some of these other comments here, John?
0: Yeah. The only thing that, that, that occurs to me with the, uh, the, the Adobe thing is yeah. it was probably an example of how to, how not to handle what your employees say during a major release. Absolutely. Is that I don't think they explicitly said it will not work, but what they did not say is that we guarantee it will work. And the, the lack of that confidence Oh yeah, is what because you gotta you gotta admit Adobe has a a pretty big influence on the Mac world. I mean, people it's their bread and butter. They run this every day. So for the company to not put the time and effort into saying, you know, we guarantee, right? Which I think they could have done if they had allocated resources. Rather than someone saying, well, you know, if it breaks too bad, which I think was kind of the That's sort of what they
1: said. Yeah, if you haven't upgraded the CS4, uh, you know, you're uh, out of luck.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, just uh, you know, a note to uh, all developers, uh, big or small. Though they're big, but you know, so they can be kind of arrogant. Is uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah to just think about your poor customers. I mean, come on. Uh, some of them rely on your product day to day, and if you don't keep them in the loop and uh, and, you know, keep up with the OSs, or say, hey, I'm not working with Snow Leopard for for now. Just right. So moving on.
1: All right, uh, Bruce writes. I was listening. Uh, you talk about Snow Leopard and pricing for the various upgrade options. One thing that you neglected to mention was that the new version of Snow Leopard Server marked a significant change in packaging and pricing. Previously, the ten-user license was four ninety five four ninety nine US, and the unlimited user license was nine ninety nine. Now with Snow Leopard, Apple has deleted the ten-user option and cut the price of the unlimited user license to four ninety nine. So uh, it's important to uh, to know. I will not be upgrading my my uh, mac os 10 server to snow leopard because it runs on a dual g4 and uh, snow leopard won't uh, won't run on that but yeah that is that is worth noting so thank you bruce and uh we should wrap up with sean here sean writes i thought that you would find this useful okay i run windows xp in a virtual machine on my mac so that i can run autodesk software after receiving my copy of Snow Leopard today, I inserted it into the drive, forgetting that the drive was connected to Windows. I was surprised to find that Apple has software on the Snow Leopard DVD that will allow you, within Windows, to do an AirDisk share from a Windows computer. You can either share the DVD or copy the DVD to the hard drive and share it from the hard drive. So, this is very interesting. Uh, you know, it's, and it is, it's that whole Disk thing. If you wanted to install this on a MacBook Air, uh, or a machine that doesn't have a DVD drive. This is how you would do it. Um, but uh, but very interesting that you know that that uh, that's out there on the Snow Leopard DVD. I hadn't seen anybody report that. So good to uh, good to know. Especially even if you got a DVD drive that that failed. I was worried that the DVD drive in Lisa's machine might be on its way out. And uh, so you know, nice to know that all this is out there. You got anything else, John? Before we uh, before we wrap this oh, one up. Now I... we're gonna be we're gonna be gone for for two well yeah we're going to be gone for two weeks right two weeks well it'll be two weeks from tonight that we that we do that we come together to do that's this correct. again
0: yes yeah, so i'm going to be uh hopping on a plane on uh wednesday and going over orlando for about a week with some friends cool Seeing you're going to the uh,
1: reedy creek in, in, in improvement district uh,
0: yeah otherwise not as disney that's or right. orlando
1: <laughs> cool and next weekend, next Monday is Labor Day here in the U.S. So I am—we yep, yep. are actually going away to family camp for the weekend, John. Family camp, family camp in northern New Hampshire. Here, so oh, we're yeah. actually middle of New Hampshire, but uh, in the Lakes Region. Sounds yeah. like a you Chevy Chase Beverly didn't? D'Angelo movie. Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure that uh, that there will be many, many Chevy Chase references, at least for me. So that's uh, sweet for
0: my poor family. <laughs> So the only thing I want to mention, Dave, is that, you know, people, even though we're gone, may want to get in touch with us and give us a big bundle of joy when we come back. And one way to do that is to just call us. You pick up the phone, you dial it, if you know what a dial is, and you dial... Or call 206-666-GEEK, which Dave, I believe, is 4335. So that's 206
1: You can also email us at feedback at MacGeekCab.com. You can email us text. You can email us pictures. You can email us audio files. And you can even do that, as we've said many times before, from your iPhone or
0: microphone-equipped iPod Touch Well, Uh now you did say feedback at MacGeekGab.com.
1: I said feedback at MacGeekGab.com, and you know what, John? I meant it.
0: (laughs) I know you did. I just want to make sure people get that one. And, yes, you can always Skype us, though, as Dave reminds us, that's probably the worst. Though, it, hey. It works. It it works. works. It just doesn't sound marvelous. No, it does not. Especially with some of the iPods submitted comments. Those sound great, i got to say. I was shocked by some of those.
1: Oh, yeah. It's changed the audio quality of the comments on the show having the uh, voice record app on the iPhone. Blog World Expo is October 15th through 17th. We've booked our flights. We've booked our hotels. We're going to be there. Uh, uh, You can be there, too, and you can save 20% on your ticket with Observer VIP as the code. Uh, We're also going to run a contest uh, uh, to get a uh, free pass to Blog World Expo. And that contest will start before this show uh, resumes uh, in two weeks, whatever that is. So uh, come visit us in the forums. We'll make sure to post it on the site. It'll probably be related to to signing up for the TMO Daily Newsletter. So get yourself ready for that. but uh, but come check that out in the forums. iPhoneAlley.com is where Michael Johnston hangs out and posts all of his content and actually runs a great podcast over there. So go check that out. He's the one that converts the show to AAC for all of us and all of you. CashFly.com provides all the hosting and bandwidth for the audio files that we send to you. Podcast Marketplace includes... The A2 Desktop Speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebones Software, Disc Label from Smile on My Mac, and also Text Expander from Smile on My Mac, Notebook from Circus Ponies, Pathfinder 5 from Coco Tech, and all through the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. And with that, John, I think it's time to get out of here. I'm ready. Yeah, me too. Have a great time away. Yeah, maybe online. Oh, Okay. Gonna tweet your Disney experience? I could. I could. It's always happy in Charlie. Well, except when. Well, have fun at Disney World, and uh, you know, don't get caught.
2: up.